Last week, we talked about God meeting us and us meeting God in the desert. And we discovered that, that, that the desert is a difficult place. The, the healing path must pass through the desert or else our healing will be a product of our own will and our own wisdom. And you don't want your healing to be something that you can do. You want your healing to be something that only God can do. Amen. The desert leaves the body and the soul crying out in thirst and hunger. In the desert, either we trust God or we die. God doesn't want you to stay in the desert though. I'm gonna say it again. Some of you feel like you're in the desert and maybe you are right now. God doesn't want you to stay in the desert. He wants you to experience abundant life. I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly, Jesus says, but that's the latter half of John 10, 10. We've gotta read the entire verse in context. John chapter 10, verse, verse number 10 tells us, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We can't get on or stay on the healing path without coming to grips of how evil has worked or is currently working to derail us. The Bible calls the source of evil the devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub, Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the prince and power of the air. The, 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 the enemy is trying to ruin your life. He's committed to taking you out. Evil hates us because we uniquely reveal the glory of God. That's why the devil hates you so much. And, and evil can't destroy God but evil can do terrible damage to those who are created in the image of God. That's human beings. Evil seeks to kill and steal and destroy. What is evil or the devil seeking to kill, steal, and destroy? Satan is trying to kill, steal, and destroy your faith, your hope, and your love. He's trying to steal, steal kill, kill, and destroy your faith, your hope, and your love. He's trying to destroy your faith through betrayal. Now I need you to stay with me and ignore all the distractions around you. He's trying to, he's trying to destroy your faith by betraying you. And some of you have been betrayed and some of you have betrayed others. He's trying to destroy your hope by making you feel absolutely powerless in your life. And he's trying to destroy your love by creating a sense of ambivalence in you. You might not even know what that is, but we'll get to that in the coming weeks. So today, I wanna to talk to you about betrayal. Today's topic is betrayal, the loss of faith. When you are betrayed, it chips away at the faith that you have in God. And we've got to address, anybody experienced betrayal before? Raise your hand. Maybe, maybe you've been betrayed and you feel like you're stuck in that betrayal. Uh, maybe it's a little bit like a turtle that's upside down and you keep going and going, but you're not getting anywhere. You just find, a, find yourself stuck. Relationships, even good relationships, they ebb and flow, right? 
I mean, there's good days and there's not good days. They, they, they come and go kind of with little rhyme or reason relationships do sometimes. But the loss of a good friend, the loss of a marriage, after walking together through life's ups and life's downs is a blow that can knock you off your feet. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. This can't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with the other person, right? Y'all understand what I'm talking about? But James says it's a little bit different. He says, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. Now, we take that out of context too many times to, to name it and claim it. Well, there's a nice car, or there's a beautiful house, or there's a wonderful boat, or there's a great school I want to get my kids into. You don't have because you don't ask. God, I ask of you, and I expect you to fully give it to me. But that's not the context of what he's saying. He's trying to communicate to us there's a problem in your life with your relationships because you're not submitting yourself first and foremost to God. Now, verse number three, when you ask, you do not receive. Because, because why? Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, this is what Trinity read earlier, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Let me read that again. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I'd like to have just kind of a Bible study with you tonight if we could. See what God's word says and how we're gonna get through and break through this betrayal that we've experienced in our life that haunts us. Why do relationships break down? James tells us that we absorb others and then we kill them for not providing what we demand. No, we're not, he's not talking literally kill them, maybe, I suppose, but, but he's not literally talking that way. He's saying ultimately, all friendships that break down, all friendships that break down are due to a friendship with the world, which makes us an enemy or a betrayer of God. What, what, what are you saying, Troy? I don't, I don't understand. I didn't understand it either. This is what I'm saying. We befriend the world whenever we demand that others be only what God has promised to be, faithful and sure. I demand, Tasha says to Michael, I demand that you be faithful and sure. I demand that you be everything that you're supposed to be. You better be, I'm gonna put the bar so high. And she should have high expectations of her husband because she's my daughter, right? She should, right? But you should have high expectations of your husbands. But we can't put expectations on other relationships that we should have on God. Our dependence, our reliability, our focus, our concentration, um, the faithful and sureness that we should expect in life that's steady all the way through comes only from God because people will let you down. When we demand that another person provide for us safety and certainty and fulfillment of our deepest desires, we turn from God to an idol. Amen. And idolatry is as witchcraft to Almighty God. Amen. So just pull out your Ouija board because that's the same thing. 
When we turn from God, we inevitably demand of others the very thing that we miss in our relationship with God. Turn your eyes toward Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of old will grow strangely dim in the light. Come on now. Don't get me wrong, though. Betrayal isn't the same. Betrayal isn't betrayal isn't betrayal. There are betrayal levels, right? There are levels of betrayal. Some betrayal, bad betrayal. Some other betrayal, horrible betrayal. And some other betrayal, wicked betrayal, right? So it's just betrayal, it just it hurts. But there are different, differing degrees and levels depending on the damage that it does to somebody's heart. But we're instructed And I'm gonna turn in my Bible. I challenge you to turn in your Bible as well. In Matthew chapter 22, we are instructed uh, in verse number 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're to care for God and we're to care for other people. And when we break covenant with another person and we refuse to care for them, then we have betrayed ourselves, we betrayed our God, and we betrayed that other person. See, here's the truth. Pretty easy to remember when we were betrayed. Pretty difficult to remember when we betrayed others but all of us have been betrayed and 100% of us have betrayed another person. Everybody has. And we need to get on the healing path for both reasons, for the betrayal and for betraying. But too many people never get there because why? Because betrayal begets betrayal. It's It's a wicked, it's a wicked sick cycle. And, and now the betrayed not only needs to wrestle with their own loss and their own heartache, but they've also got to deal with an even deeper struggle. The betrayed has now become the betrayer. You've heard this phrase before that hurting people hurt others. Well, the one who hurts now hurts other people because they're suspicious or they're, you know, all the time. The one who is shamed now shames other people. Do you you know how the Bible talks about this? It says the sins of the father are carried to the fourth, the fifth generation. It's because when we experience so much pain in the desert and we don't turn our eyes toward Jesus, the, the good and faithful shepherd who is right there with us, his rod and his staff, They comfort us. When we don't do that, then we pass those tendencies on to our children, our children's children, and and it just magnifies as it goes. Hmm. And it's possible to break the cycle, though, if we get on the healing path. But I want you to understand something. The healing path does not deny the agony of betrayal. When you're on the healing path, you embrace it. Your wounds are real. The struggle is, is real, and it can feel like they're never going to heal. The pain of being betrayed, it cuts to the heart. Don't, 
Don't think for a moment that I don't know what that's like. I've been in ministry for 26 years. I've slept on the floor for days at a time next to people who are in the hospital, we're gonna die. Only to 18 months later have them stab me in the back. I, I've, I've sacrificed time with my own family to invest in the health of other people's family, only to be betrayed. I, I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me, but I empathize with your betrayal. When you sow your heart and your life into someone, only to have them look at you and say, you're not enough, that feels like betrayal. Um, when you have a friend that you've confided in, somebody can say yes to this, only to have them go and share what you've shared with them in confidence with a bunch of other people. That's betrayal. What's even worse than the betrayal itself, though, is that ultimately, betrayal can cut to the heart of your faith in God. And that's the devil's plan. Steal, kill, destroy. He's trying to steal your relationship, your faith in God. Because why? Because the opposite, the antithesis, the opposite of betrayal in, in a relationship is trust. And, and the knowledge that the other person is solid and is sure, that's the opposite of betrayal, right? Um, however, when we're betrayed, we begin to falsely believe that anyone, including Jesus, is going to betray us. Ultimately, the shoe's gonna drop. Ultimately, it's gonna happen. It becomes too easy to replace faith with suspicion. And when we begin to feel like Jesus is no longer solid and Jesus is no longer sure, ooh. How's that play out, Troy? Well, let me, let me read it for you. Um, we're gonna go back where we were the first week. And if you missed the first week, the challenge is you need to listen to that, that, that message. It's not very long, but I challenge you to listen to it. I'm gonna read like a, an, a, um, an auctioneer for just a moment because there's a lot of verses I wanna read to you, but I'd like you to mark these in your Bible. What we did last week was paralleled many of these verses with the 23rd Psalm from Lamentations chapter three. This is a man of misery. I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath, but God did it to me. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He's broken my bones. He's besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness 
and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Verses 19 and 20, the author says, I remember how sucky my life is. I remember how horrible this path that I'm on really is. It's easy to remember the betrayal, isn't it? In fact, even as I was talking to you about betrayal, you had a picture in your mind of the person that betrayed you. And probably something in your gut began to churn or some sort of justice or justification or feelings of hurt or pain or frustration or anger began to well up inside of you because you experienced betrayal. That is what's called the torment of memory. Let me say that again. The torment of memory. When you're in the torment of memory, like this guy was in Lamentations, it, it's, it's very difficult to remember anything but the bad. All you remember is, is the bad, the regrets. Regrets kind of like, um, I, I should have caught on. But, but I was just too ignorant. Or maybe, maybe memory of an old conversation that you, you, you replay in your mind. What, I should have said this. Next time, buddy, I'll be ready to say something. And next time comes, and it really wasn't the same as the previous time, but you went and shot it out there anyway. And betrayal begat betrayal. And shame begat but shame. And hurt begat hurt. You see how that works? It is memories of what you could have said or should have said or could have done or should have done. I'm driving to a place that I'm familiar with. I don't even think about it. I don't know where, you know what I'm talking about. I don't think about it. I just go where I'm supposed to go. I know, I know to avoid certain streets because they're not so, they're a little more dangerous maybe than, than other streets are, certain neighborhoods. My memory reminds me of inherent dangers. Even when I'm driving to work, I know which lane to be in on airport because it's kind of like a third world country, right? Um, they got to they gotta resurface the, the, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, I, but you've got some roads wherever you live as well that you, you know to stay in the left lane or the right lane because there's a big old pothole that's coming up. You avoid those things automatically. In other words, your memory helps you navigate. But what happens? What happens when you're in an unfamiliar place? a place, you need a tool. Back when I was young, you pulled out the Rand McNally. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, you pulled out the big book from underneath your seat and you pulled it out and you flipped the pages, giant pages in what's called a map. Some of you younger people don't know what that is, but it's a map, right? It's a physical map. And it's not just a decoration people put on the wall. They were, you really used those once upon a time, right? And so you flipped through and you found the, the, the roads and you hoped it was up to date. Then we went to a special thing called MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest, right? You'd print those suckers out and you try to follow those, those, uh, the papers. You're talk about dangerous, right? As you're trying to drive down the road. And then we began to get, we began to get GPS on our phones, right? And so what you do is you just map it out in the new neighborhood and you follow because you have, you have a tool. You ask Siri or whatever uh, it, uh, you know, um, inept device you have, right? You, 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 you ask Siri, right? If you have a Google device, you probably ask some other stranger, but we ask Siri is what we do. And what happens is, is, is when tragedy strikes in your life, when betrayal strikes in your life, it's not familiar. You didn't see it coming. And so you start searching for a tool that will help you circumvent the problem but that is not God's will. Amen. Circumventing the problem 
is not what God is gonna help you with. Listen, it is my prayer for the next few minutes that this will serve as just that. It will help guide you. Probably won't circumvent the problem. Circumvent means you go around the problem. You, you avoid the problem altogether. We're talking about situations where God is actually like Gomer of old, as we talked about in the book of Hosea, where God is actually taking you into the desert. And he will do that. You don't want him to do that, but he will do that. And so what you need help with is how to get through the desert, the hard season. When we experience betrayal, there are three stages people typically go through, much like grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and eventually healing, right? There's processes. This is, this is um, a both um, uh, biblical, Christian, it's also secular. I mean, everybody, seem, everybody agrees on both sides of the, of the mark that the, we have to go through these, this process. The only thing that the Christians add on to it is healing at the end. But denial, um, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and then we believe in healing as well. But, but that's part of the process. So you go through each phase of, of grief. Now, you might go back and bounce back and forth, but you've got to go, you can't skip one. You can't do that. You, you, you think you can, you can't do that. Same thing when you're betrayed. And I'm presenting to you, there are three stages. The first stage is our first response. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Don't, why, can't, why can't they love me? Why, why, don't, why don't they be my friend? Why would they do that? What's, what's wrong with me? We long for answers. We want an explanation. Sometimes we'll even go beg the betrayer. What, what's, what's the problem? We can't tolerate bad news that seems to have no reason, that seems to have no meaning, that seems to have no explanation. And it may not. It's not long before our cry though in, in stage number one changes from what's wrong with me to I'm a fool. Why didn't I see this thing coming? Why did I let him or why did I let her take advantage of me? So that's the first stage. It's our initial response. And everybody goes through that. Then there's Stage two, we move on to, which is where we reconsider events. Someone will pay. Can you see where this is at now? This is in rage. This is where we leave self-contempt, where what's wrong with me? And now we turn it outside and now we're mad. Now someone's gonna pay. And what we end up doing is we, this isn't comfortable to hear by the way, but what we end up doing is we magnify our betrayer's faults. The person who betrayed us, we make them out to be way worse than they actually are. Or we might decide simply to shut down because we cannot live without being in anger. So we just shut down, which leads us to stage three, numbing out. This is the attitude that says, who cares? Who cares? Choosing to become numb will temporarily dull the pain that you're experiencing. You just numb out. You don't really care. When you numb out, you don't want to talk. When you numb out, you don't want to pray. When you numb out, you don't want to remember anything that's good. You just want to remember that which is bad. And so what do you do when you're stuck in this stage, you, you, you pull out the map called your memory. 
And like the writer of Lamentations, you well remember them and your soul is downcast within you. Now we don't know how long the pause was between that verse and the next verse, but my hunch is, oh, there was a pause there. He didn't just say it all in one big old breath. I think there was a few days there, a few weeks there, maybe even a few years there. It's so easy to focus on the betrayal, isn't it? Pain overtakes our peace. It might come when your heart desperately longs for God to change the outcome of a situation, but he doesn't. It's when your healthy and beautiful child dies. It's when your happy and secure marriage crumbles. It's when the deep and God-given desire to have children gives way to an emergency hysterectomy. It's when you should be enjoying your golden years and you hear the words terminal cancer. It's when the other car runs the red light and now you can't walk anymore. It's when your childhood innocence is stolen through abuse. And it's at that point that you lose your faith because Jesus no longer seems solid and sure. Don't get stuck there. The, the truth is when your faith begins to wither, so does your capacity to remember who God is. That's when we need, that's when we need to call to mind. Lamentations chapter three, the next few verses. Yet, after all that griping, all that complaining, all that pain, all that misery, all that hurt, all that frustration, yet this I call to mind. Not this I happen to remember. Oh, I thought of something. No, 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 no. I will willfully, intentionally call to my mind. I will remember. I call to mind and therefore, I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Intentionally, willfully, purposefully remember and meditate upon who God is rather than how horrible life is in this moment. Guys, you gotta make a choice. Modesto, you gotta make a choice. You all, we all have to make a choice. So who is God? God is infinite, 1 Timothy chapter one. He is incomparable, 2 Samuel 7. He is unchanging, Malachi 3. Who is God? God exists everywhere, Psalm 139. He knows everything, Psalm 147. He has all power and all authority, Ephesians 1 and Revelation 19. Who is God? God is just, Acts 17. God is loving, Ephesians chapter two. God is truthful, John 14. And God is holy, 1 John chapter one. 
Who is God? God shows compassion, 2 Corinthians 1. God is merciful, Romans 9. God is a God of grace, Romans chapter 5. Who is God? God created the world in Genesis, and He actively sustains the world in Colossians chapter 1. God draws people to Himself in John chapter 6, and God will judge the world in Revelation chapter 20. Who is God? God gives peace that passes all understanding, tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, in Galatians chapter 6, in 1 Peter 1, and in case you didn't get it, he says it again in Hebrews chapter 13. Who is God? God is here. God is faithful. God is just. God will see you through. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And ladies and gentlemen, there is peace that passes all human understanding even in the desert of betrayal. And his name is Jesus Christ. Call out for his help, call out for his strength, and he will hold you close. Philippians chapter four, verse number 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He's the one that you're walking through the desert, uh, the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking through the desert at night and you can't find your footing and there's wild animals all around you and rocks could roll, but you stick close to the good shepherd and he will see you through the valley of your betrayal. God will see you through. Don't give up. Don't get stuck. Face the giant. Stay close to Jesus. Don't put your head in the sand of the desert and say this isn't happening because it is happening and it did happen. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in this old world. Mighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you will never, ever fail us. Thank you, Lord, that you will never, ever leave us and that you will never forsake us. You will never betray us. We may have been betrayed by others, but God, we choose this very moment to understand, to recognize, and to confess that you are solid and you are sure and you will never let me down. God, help me, heal me, put me on the healing path that I might discover that a month from now, two months from now, life was looking a whole lot different and a whole lot better because I chose to get on the healing path. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, no one looking around here or Modesto. Those of you joining us online, I challenge you as well to listen to the Lord and to his still small voice. Again, all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I'm asking you today, just you and Jesus and in the room that you're in, and he's standing before you and he's saying, do you feel the pain and the sting and the hurt and the ongoing effect of betrayal in your life? Know that I and only I can see you through. Stick close to me, hold firm to me. And child of God, I have never lost my grip on you. You may not know it, but my arm is wrapped around you. You are safe under the shadow of the Almighty even now. So put your trust, put your hope, put your confidence in the Lord today.
And if that's your confession of faith and you say, Almighty God, that's what I do, even through the pain, even through the memories, even through the struggle, God, even through the waves of frustration that I'm feeling, disappointment and agony that I find myself in, God, I choose to put my trust, my hope, and my faith in you and in you alone. God, give me strength. Give me strength. If that's your prayer, no one's looking around. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to stand up for Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Get, just get up. Just get up. Just stand up tonight. Stand up. Say, God, I receive your healing power. And I'm on the healing path tonight. Mighty God, touch your children, those that are standing. Come on, slip your hands up to heaven right now. God, touch me. God, strengthen me. God, renew unto me the joy of my salvation. Mighty God, I need you tonight. Oh, God, I need you. God, touch me and strengthen me. Pour out your spirit upon me, fresh and anew. God, we need fresh oil from on high. Lord, heal me. Heal me. I don't want to carry the weight of this any longer, God. Lord, bring the healing balm of Gilead even now to my spirit, to my mind, to my heart, and to my flesh. Jesus, thank you. Just thank him right now. Thank you, God. You're faithful. You're sure. You're good to me, God. You're good to me, God. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it. In Jesus' name. I want to hear you in Modesto. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, we're on a journey together. And this isn't, this isn't one-on-one Christianity. This is, this is hard stuff. We're facing our giants. We're dealing with our stuff. Now, we can make you feel really good. If you want to just feel really good, we, we, could do, we could help you with that. But that won't last. It won't last. It won't last until you go to bed tonight. It, you need something that will last. And it's found in a relationship going on the journey with Jesus. One of the things we said 12 years ago when we started the church is we want to go on the mission with Jesus. That is not a, uh, that is not a, a jaunt in the park, right? Uh, the mission with Jesus, man, that's bumpy terrain. Sometimes, sometimes you'll be on the mountain, but other times you'll be in the, in the desert, in the valley of the shadow. But we're still going to stay on the mission with Jesus. Next week is a big week. Don't underestimate the value and, and your level of Im- impact. Doesn't matter if you're new to the church. Doesn't matter if, you're, if you've been with us for a long time. Equal sacrifice. My family is sacrificing. Your family sacrifice. Let's come together and see what God will do. I'm telling you, this, this has been a year that I would say is a year of tilling. We've been tilling. We've been, we've been working the soil. We've been doing some things that are going to have a lasting effect for God's kingdom. We've been, but it, maybe it hasn't produced fruit yet. But I'm not wagering my life on, on, on just showing up to work punching a time card. I am, I am wagering and betting and believing by faith with everything in me that this last 12 months has been a part of the mighty plan of God, that there is a harvest that is coming, that God's had us in a preparatory mode, that we started another church, that we re- finished revitalizing an entire campus, that we've gone ahead and decided to consolidate this campus. God's given us a fresh focus of what we're going to do. There, we just relaunched our South Stockton, just did it. God's doing some great things. I'm telling you, good things are happening, but the whole culture has changed.
whole culture. Nobody could have told me this thing five years ago, that in three years, the whole world's gonna change, but it changed. It didn't just change, it changed. People no longer wanna be a part of a crowd. More and more people, you don't go to the grocery store and see somebody anymore. You just pick your groceries up. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't go to a restaurant anymore. You have a, a, a wonderful person called DoorDasher, right? That brings it to you. You, 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 you don't have to, you don't even have to go to school anymore. You can go to school online. It, things changed. Things changed. I'm not, not convinced it's for the good. A lot of good things came out of it, but it also changed the entire culture and, and of church. And I'm not convinced that it's good either, but we're gonna keep our hands firmly gripped to the plow. We're gonna keep being faithful. And the Lord, the Lord is the one that we're serving. We're not serving the people. We're not serving, we're not serving the community. We're not serving each other. That's all a part of it. But whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for man. Since you know you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you serve. Colossians 3, 23, 24. So come with your best next week and let's watch God do a miracle. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. Have a great weekend. Y'all are dismissed. Amen, amen, amen.